Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Friday is here, boys and girls. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, joined by a cast of thousands. Here in the studio and in our chat and online, we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. And we always ask, if you would, please subscribe to the program. You can join us on Facebook at the Chatterbox Sports page. Or if you prefer to join us in podcast form, many of you do. That's great. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Well, not a good morning. Uh, A warrant has been issued, apparently, for the arrest of Bengals running back Joe Mixon on a complaint of misdemeanor aggravated menacing. According to the complaint, Mixon pointed a gun at another person just before the team left Cincinnati for its playoff game in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago. Now, Mixon's agent, I mean, he came right out from the get-go and has said he expects the charges to be dropped as early as this morning, citing it was a rush to judgment. The Bengals are aware of the complaint and have no comment. High school football, we rarely talk about it, but big news here in Cincinnati. You want the good news or the bad news first? Boys, Casey, Paul, Brandon, what you want first? Always good. Always good. All right, good it is. Uh, We start with the good news. Moeller star running back Jordan Marshall has whittled his college choices down to four, and they are four big ones. That's how good this guy is. They are Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Tennessee. Of course, he still has a senior season to play for the Crusaders. But maybe the most pertinent and biggest news of all, his head coach, Mark Elder, is leaving the program. Haven't heard exactly why yet. Elder has led the Crusaders to -to back-to-back state Final Fours the last two seasons. He's won 24 of his last 30. You may remember he came as a former college head coach at Eastern Kentucky University to take over at Moeller. A replacement and a search for a replacement is underway. College hoops to struggles in Columbus continue. The Buckeyes slipped to 11-11 and following a loss at home last night to Wisconsin, 65-60. Ohio State now in legitimate danger of not reaching the tournament. They started the year 10-3, were ranked in the top 12. They are 1-8 since. Number three, Houston. Number five, Arizona. Number nine, UCLA. And number 12, Gonzaga. All winners last night. Tomorrow, both UC and Xavier are back on the hardwood. The Bearcats host UCF. Xavier hosts St. John's at five. Back to the Bearcats for a moment. Wes Miller landed one of the top junior college players in the country yesterday and point guard Davion Thomas out of Kilgore Community College. That's down in Texas. He's a 6'1 point guard, averages 20 points, six rebounds, five assists per game, and apparently uh, had turned down offers from West Virginia, Memphis, Numerous Big 12 schools, Big 10 schools. We'll talk to Scott Springer. He is new on the beat uh, at theenquire.com about Thomas and this year's UC team and, you know, what it has to look forward to moving forward. Uh, lots of action, gentlemen, on the, um, the chat front. Uh, Paul, you're getting worn out this morning. Oh, I deserve it, I Tom. mean, I got to tell you, you are getting hammered by our buddy, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop. 
Oh, Tom, I, I fully deserve it. When you give out losers like I've been giving out this week, and they are straight donations to Bedfred Sportsbook, I deserve it. I deserve <laughs> the flack. There's no doubt about it. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And oh. I have been straight up not cooking anything the last week. After Whoa. I started like 8-0 when we were doing those graphics a couple of weeks ago, you get a – Casey gets on the graphic. We put Casey on the graphic for the first time. Boom, hits. Reed, 2-0. Me, 0-2. Tank. Tired. My Tom Brenneman impression for the day. Casey has uh, been on quite a roll between the casino and his picks. Uh, you, you got it going on right now. Yeah, last couple days, at least in sports betting, I've won, I think, I want to say like 25 units. So it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. But what is a unit for those of us gambling 101? What does that mean? It's however much you normally bet. So. So if I normally bet 10 bucks, that's a unit. That's a me. unit. So okay. it, it, it's a way to compare to scale. So that way, you know, if you say you're up $1,000, you could be betting $1,000 a game. You went one night and you bet $1,000. Okay, so what? You won one game. But if I'm up $1,000 and I'm betting 50 bucks a game, I mean, that's crazy. That means I've won 20 games. So it's just a way to compare. So Casey over here gets shaves the beard, starts throwing out winners. And I'm just straight losing. Now, I did end up positive last night because I, I got Houston on a live line, and I threw a lot of money on that. So I did end up having a decent night. But on the graphic, the picks, bad, bad. Casey, you, um, you, you shaved the beard, and it looks like you're starting to kind of, you know, maybe just missed a day for a real man like yourself. You know, <laughs> got that, you know, rough look. Yeah. Did, uh, have you decided – by the way, it's your fiance's birthday today. It is. It's her 24th birthday today. You want to, you want to look in the camera and <laughs> happy birthday, sweetheart. Wow. So, um, <laughs> serious question here though, for a second. Yeah. The majority of the time, is it safe to say, or is this incorrect? Cause I don't know. I've only known you for a number of months. Mm. Have you had a beard or not had a beard during most of your relationship? Um, I've had a beard like that uh, a couple times in, throughout the relationship. Um, I was actually going to let it grow out even more, but I just took my, I took a hard look in the mirror and said, you're not going to a barber anytime soon and just <laughs> went to town and, you know, took the electric razor. And So what about for the wedding day? Um, this is probably the look I'm going with, honestly. You mean the, the like the two-day yeah. growth? Yep. Kind of thing. little stubble, little stubble. She likes the way that looks a lot. And I like the way I look a lot when I'm got a little stubble. So. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. Oh, gosh, do we have we have so many demented people in this chat. I got to tell you, you know, uh, I, I uh, we, we got Zim Uday coming up here shortly. We'll uh, Paul Doherty a little bit later on to talk about Tom Brady and his retirement. Doc's also going to clue us in. He, he was watching yesterday when we started asking Tracy Jones, and we're going to circle back on this with Tracy on Tuesday, uh, about our five favorite streaming shows. And so Doc was watching yesterday, and he says, I watch way too much television in these shows. So he'd like to weigh in on that today as well. Oh, okay. okay. You know, the, I, I'm not going to get into Zim Hude has a, uh, a longstanding personal relationship with Joe Mixon. I, listen. I don't like getting into any of this stuff because I don't know anymore what's true and what's not true. I was very surprised to learn, um, 
you guys shared with me a little while ago that I guess there are some media outlets and, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, have published the guy's address. Um, and look, I'm not, I'm not saying this guy ought to be given the benefit of the doubt of anything, but we do live in a country where you're innocent until proven guilty. I don't know. You don't know. I'm not sure anybody knows outside of the two people that were involved in this whole uh, situation, if that's what it was or what it is or whatever. Um, the police clearly know about it. Um, it is rare that here in Cincinnati, you may not agree with every single police decision or those coming out of the prosecutor's office uh, on a regular basis, although Joe Dieters was phenomenal here for a long time before going to the Ohio Supreme Court a couple months ago. But they rarely ever uh, have had situations where all of a sudden things are public and then you find out that they didn't happen or they're not true. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot of times about situations on this program involving other athletes in other towns and, and a he said, she said, or he said, he said kind of thing and back and forth and this and that. And then you don't find out for weeks or months later actually what happened. So, you know, I, I guess according to his agent, uh, they're fully expecting these charges to be dropped today. But, you know, um, is the damage already done, whether he did it or didn't do it? That's the problem with, with situations like this. Right. That if he didn't do it, and I'm not saying he didn't. I have no clue. But if he didn't, you can't get that back for your reputation. I know. And he's already created such a great reputation for himself. It's just, it's sad. And just the uh, coming from... Well, it's not sad if he did it. It's not sad if he did it. I'm, I have, I have faith. <laughs> I have faith, whether that's warranted faith or not, just in people that I trust, um, like a Zim or other people that are close to him that say that, you know, this is fake news or whatever. I just, I, I think the whole situation is screwed up. I think, uh, I'm more mad about the news stations leaking out his information and the potential victims information than anything else. And coming from that is just like, what are we doing? Like, what, what are we doing as a, as a local, local area, the Cincinnati area, these news stations need to do a better job at one, making sure that it's legitimate that it's and i know there was an actual warrant out there but it's gonna apparently be dropped today and that came out like an hour after everyone found out that the warrant was out like they're, they're just like a lot of things don't seem to be adding up here well i can tell you one thing and, and i have shared this story many many times in layers of it i'll just focus in on this one part i'll never forget as long as i live um when I'm doing the 2003 National League Championship Series, and in game six, you had the Bartman situation down the left field line. Ball goes down there, you know, tries to catch a ball. Moise Salou goes crazy. Um, and, you know, everything that happened after that. I got up the next morning because we were going to broadcast game seven that night uh, at Wrigley Field between the Marlins and the Cubs. And... As soon as I turn on the television, which I rarely ever did when I was in a hotel room. I mean, I'd spend days at a time in a hotel, never turn on TV. And I turn it on that morning. And the first thing I see is this, you know, shot from a helicopter, clearly. And you're thinking, okay, well, they're doing the traffic. 
city like Chicago, they've got all that fancy bells and whistles and so forth, and traffic stinks and blah, blah, blah. Turns out uh, that they're flying over the place of employment for Steve Barton. The two major newspapers in Chicago, the Tribune and the Sun-Times, were both given the choice of whether they were going to publish his name in the paper the next day. The Tribune decided not to. But once the Chicago Sun-Times decided to put Steve Bartman's name in the paper, I mean to tell you, all hell broke loose. And this poor guy's never been seen or heard from since. All right, let's get to... Um, our main man, Zim Hude. Zim, have you caught your breath, my friend? I mean, we haven't caught up with you since you made the trip to Kansas City. How you doing? What's your state of mind right now, Zim? Well, a lot of people are wondering how you're doing, how you're feeling. Are you okay? Uh, yes, I am. I'm alive and I'm well. I feel good. Uh, I'm very optimistic about, you know, I feel like it's crazy. And I don't feel like I almost feel like it's almost the summertime uh, because the season is over. I'm like looking forward to like vacations and stuff like that. When they say Cancun on three, I'm really like on Cancun <laughs> mode. Like, like I went so hard, you know, we were in savage mode and we did so much stuff that now I'm at this spot where I'm like, all right, it's, I, I wish we would have gone further or the Bengals gone further, but it is like a sigh of relief to a certain extent. Cause it's like, all right, the pressure of this team winning, all these different things, all those things kind of went away a little bit. So I do feel good about that. Very disappointed in losing that game. That was one of the that was one of the, the toughest games that I've ever had to witness because it was like probably like the second, third worst they played all season, and they still almost won. Like I just thought that they played so over the last three months, man, that that was the best. That like everybody's so quick to talk about the all season and stuff, and I just can't get over the fact that you know, like life is short, opportunities are limited. Man, that was the best Bengals team I've ever seen. I don't. I I think I asked you that. Like, I like everybody's just so quick. Like, all right, let's get let's get on to scouting. Like, how do you fix something that wasn't even really flawed like that? Like, it just had some unfortunate injuries right before the playoffs and 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 that that showed in the game and you know I guess we'll talk about that but the team was that was the best Bengals team I've ever seen it would have wiped out the you know like the earlier teams I don't I didn't get a chance to watch everyone they would have creamed the 2005 Bengals they would have beat the heck out of the 2015 Bengals too yeah I don't think they would have beaten my own personal opinion is I don't think they would have beaten the uh the team that went to the Super Bowl most recently before the one last year really I, I think I, I, I yeah I mean that team that team now I mean you know the wide receivers were pretty close and that's hard to imagine I mean it was an unbelievable bunch they had but the running backs in the offensive line were night and day I mean they really were you had James Brooks, you had Icky Woods, you okay. had Stanley Wilson. You had multiple All-Pro offensive linemen. Um, yeah, I, I, and, and, and I think this year, Bengals defense was better this year. You know, at the end of the day, to make a play, that defense had some good players. Um, kind of like this year's team. They had good players. They had a couple of standouts like this year's team. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll never know. Um, you, 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 how you did know you go, go ahead? What are you going to 
That, that's what I was saying, like, that I've w- ever witnessed. You got to think, you know, were you talking about, like, 88? Yeah. Yep. I mean, <laughs> like, bro, I'm, like, four or five years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm super. I know what like, you're like, saying. I, I know I, what I didn't saying. see it. So I, I take everybody's word for it, for sure. But just as I witnessed it, that, like, to lose like that, it sucked. Like, I, I just was, like, the whole, from the very beginning, I just was like, God, that's not the same team. Like, they just couldn't get over the pressure, you know, on on that right hand side of the line, and they never made those adjustments. What? Uh, how were you treated personally when you went to Kansas City? I gotta believe after all the stuff that was going on leading up to the game and social media and all that kind of stuff, when you show up uh, out in the parking lot before the game, there had to be a bunch of Kansas City people that recognized who you were. Am I right or wrong on that? Yeah, some people recognize me, but Twitter and Twitter life and real life are two different things. Like, like Twitter is not real. Like when people, the the Chiefs fans that did identify me there were like, "Oh man, I love your stuff." <laughs> then I go home and I look, I looked at my phone. Like I'm like, "Oh yeah, what's your Twitter?" And then I look at, I'm like, "These the guys that be talking about like." Zim Hude's trash or the Bengals are trash. These are the guys. And then when they meet me, they're like, hey, man, I, I love all your content. Like, Twitter life and in, in real life are two totally different things. I thought their fans that I sat next to, I had to break up a fight, one fight. Uh, I thought their fans, like, the la- last season, I thought they treated me. It was really good. It was a great environment. You know, I tell people a lot of different stuff. I thought this season... Like, they were obnoxious. Like, we would be yelling who they, like, on defense, and they were, like, telling us, like, not this chant and stuff and say who they uh, when we didn't get caught. So, you know, the the phantom play where they got the uh, the free play, naturally all the Bengals fans were, like, I was still, like, okay, let's just go win the game. I'll worry about that later. But the Bengals fans that I was around, like, they just never got over that. So everybody was, like, chanting, like, you know, like, Roger Goodell, like, you know, that type of stuff. And I think it upset all the Chiefs fans around me. So they every single time a play would happen in our favor after that moment, they'd be like, see, you didn't, you, like, we didn't call anything in. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of beside the point. Like, we're all witnessing, like, some very questionable calls here. Wouldn't you agree? And then I just thought it was, like, so crazy that everybody beforehand was, like, they were the ones, like, first quarter, early on, talking about referees, like, heavy, heavy, like, every single call. Oh, my God, they ain't called it. Oh my. And then when the call started going their way, they was just like, yeah. And then afterwards, it was like, yeah, man, you guys are great. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, bro, like, if y'all lost, y'all would have been crying. Like, they would have been in tears out there. And I just thought it was like, I don't know. I, I didn't. Not only was it very cold out there, Tom, it was like one of those games where it was just – it wasn't fun. If we were one, maybe my perspective might be different, but sure. I just thought that they were super obnoxious the whole entire game, and it was like, it was annoying. All right, let me ask you this. Did, did I read correctly? Did Chris Jones call you a clown? <laughs> I mean, I, I, is that true? 
Hey, look, for somebody that keeps all their receipts, I guess Chris Jones had my he had that receipt just sitting right there, right? Because as soon as that game was over, he, he found he found that receipt. I was talking to like some of the guys on the team. I'm like, bro, like, did he, did Chris Jones like tweet you? They're like, no. I'm like, so he tweeted me of all people. Like, why would Chris Jones? Like, I'm asking guy. I'm like, bro, did Chris Jones like was he talking trash? Did they was like, no. Nah. I'm like, so this dude. But I have a theory though. I have a theory. Before the week of the game, I, I, this is this. Hear me out. This is kind of crazy. Twitter Spaces always has a lot of like what I think are like burner accounts of like sometimes I think they're players or whatever. We just keep on talking sure. the whole entire time. When I was in the spaces, I kept on saying how in the week 15 matchup, he didn't do, he didn't play good at all. Now, no. I don't know if he has a burner account or what, but somebody must have gave him, you know, got word to him. I said, bro, and these are facts. This is not me talking trash. Prior to that game, he had never registered a playoff sack. Yep. In the week 15 matchup, he didn't give a pressure. He didn't give a sack or anything. So I was very – I was telling him I thought he was a great player, but he didn't do anything the last time. Now, mind you, I'm thinking he's going to be lining up on the left-hand side with Volson and going against, you know, Karras and Karma, and I didn't care. As soon as that didn't work out for them, like, the first series or two, they moved him over to, the, to Adenogy and, you know, the rest is history, and he had a great game. I don't think that whole had that same game in the Super Bowl. That's just my opinion. But I also show like three or four players like um, uh, in the spaces you can show plays. And he took plays off in the week 15. He was getting double teamed a lot. And he was I, I highlighted three, four plays. And then I noticed that the, the plays were getting likes from like burner accounts. You know what I'm saying? Like not sure. like actual people. So I'm like, well, it's clearly it got to be like a, you know, like a cheese, you know, enthusiast or something. Maybe it's him or not, but whatever it is, I'm pretty like, because I, I, other than that, I don't have any tweets or anything about them. I've never, I'm, I don't at players. So I just thought it was crazy um, that he came back after that. I've never, I, I don't tweet, I don't at players because I just think, I don't know, that's kind of weird to me. Unless it's like a player I know, like right. it's just a little awkward to me. Right. So, so, so when do you now, Zim, you said earlier, and you and your main man, Ace Boogie, uh, you guys are going to continue on with Cincinnati, your podcast and all that kind of thing. When are you going to start shifting gears into the offseason? Because this is a big offseason for the Bengalis. That's a great question, Tom. I've been outside uh, ever since the game. You know me. I'll be, I'll be hanging out outside yep. trying to clear my thoughts. Yep. You're I a woodsy kind of man. Game. For those that I'm are just see, watching got, this in I, for look, the first I, time. I literally, you know, I got my bubble vest on. I'm literally, I just was outside and I was thinking, me and my son, we've been running laps and stuff and we're trying to get our mind right. He's heavy in basketball. So I kind of shifted my focus. Everybody's super excited about prospects. And I swear, and I do good. I do some good breakdown on some guys. I pick guys, you know, like every single season and people that follow me, they know that. When I tell you this is the least enthusiastic I've been about the offseason in my entire life. Like, I have no desire to, like, look at a player or anything. Like, I just don't. Like, that team, you know, minus the injuries going into that playoff, I just, like, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, the window of opportunity. I've talked about that on the show. It's very, very small sometimes, and you need a lot of different things. You need a Sam Hubbard 94-yard, you know, Fumble return. You need, you know what I mean? You, you need a, a Hail Mary pass to fall on the ground, and you need all these different things. You need 
maybe snowy conditions for office alignment that work in their favor. You need you need all these different things, you know, to work. And I'm 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 smart enough to realize I don't see a world where and I could be just jumping the gun. I don't see a world where they'll have as much talent on paper as what they just had. Like this upcoming season. I, I don't just know if I agree it. with that. I, I think they got I, I really? think they got some wiggle room here as far as as their fiscal situation is concerned because of of um, of the money they've been kind of putting in a war chest. Uh, you know, they'll they'll without a doubt structure Burroughs contract in such a way uh, that they won't be taking big hits against a cap. Uh, if I were a betting man, at least for say three more years. So I, I right. I don't know. I, I, I if I were a betting man, and I'm not. These other guys, uh, you know, they, they 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 watch their money go out the door all the time gambling. I um, I think if I were a betting man, I would bet they have a better roster next year than they had this year. Now, does that mean they're going to be a better team? Does that mean they're going to play better? Does that mean that they're going to win as many games? Uh, no, of course it doesn't, because you can't foresee some of the things. You just ripped off a couple. Played by Hubbard, that could be made by the other team next year. Uh, the play, uh, the, the, the Hail Mary in the end zone. Maybe the guy catches the ball next year. But I would bet money, uh, they've proven to me, Duke Chobin and that whole group, that uh, they're very good at assessing the talent that they have, whether to keep them or let them go. They're very good in terms of assessing Draft picks going all the way back to the Marvin era. They've always been very good in the draft by and large. And they've been exceptionally good at being able to judge talent of free agent players uh, that they could bring in from other teams. I think I think yeah. that they're going to have a better team, better roster next year than this okay. year. Does that give you any I, hope, you know, Jim? For sure, for sure. I value your opinion, Tom. Um it, it, they got some tough calls to make, you know, like the Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson. Of course, I think they probably go Logan Wilson. I think Jermaine Pratt is like one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Like, seriously, I, I just don't see them. You know, like I do see a world where I think that they can go get like um, make offensive line a point of strength. And that alone, like uh, I was telling people some different things I thought from a, um, from a philosophical standpoint like this is the direction that we want to go like maybe you go tight end heavy in the draft kind of getting a two for one a guy that can block in line and super athletic still resign Hayden Hurst and then will I and then you know work and get draft the office lineman early then you got Lyle Collins when as he comes back maybe he's the sixth man mm -hmm. and then now like your offensive line is like a point of strength if you got Lyle Collins is like the sixth guy like I could see a lot of these different things but some of it is so early that I don't under, I don't have all, I'm not privy to all the information as far as like how much cap space that they need. I mean, yeah. they have after these deals get done, what does the T Higgins deal look like? All these different things. I do say if they, if they were able to go get like an outstanding three set, one thing from the Super Bowl that I'll be watching for that a guy that I, I got my eye on is uh, Hargrave, the defensive yeah. tackle. He had, he had 11 sacks. He might be in that eight, nine, ten million dollar range. I don't know if they have a move for something like that, but a move like that, I think on the defensive side of the ball, and then what I just talked about on the offensive side of the ball, I think the thing that I do know is that they strengthen the trenches on both sides and make it a point of strength yep. and not just good or above average. Then I think they can kind of get away from the problems that have 
halted them getting a Super Bowl the last two seasons. And I could see a world where that happened. So I'm I'm with you. It's just it's maybe it's early. Yeah. And I just gotta get more info. And like I said, leaving that game, that was tough. That was tough. You growing the hair cold. back out this winter? I mean, you know, you get out in the woods a little bit. You're out there taking care of the, the, the koi. There was a time you had the dreadlocks going, all that kind of thing. Is that coming back, or are you going to stay pretty clean cut like you are now? What's the deal? I'm going to stay around here, you know, trying, okay. to, get, you know, trying, to, you know, trying to make sure I, I stay handsome in some type of way. I, I, I haven't figured it out. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just out here kind of rogue right now, just figuring out, what are the next step step for the Bengalis, right? <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Hey, well, we'll be dialed in. That. We'll be dialed in with you and your main man, Ace Boogie. You guys are going to continue doing the, the, the podcast, right? I mean, even during the offseason, or did he kind of scale it back? What do you do? Oh, heck yeah. For sure we're doing the podcast. Um, we probably change it to maybe once a week now until yep. it starts to get into, like, heavy draft mode. Because currently right now we do every Tuesday and Thursday, Cincinnati Pod, 7.30. There are other shows, too, on our network, too. So those shows will be going on. We got the Bengals Pulse, and then we also have the 513. So those guys, they already do once a week. We're going to add um, – we're working on a, a, a well-known talent that I think we're going to add to the podcast, too, coming up for this upcoming season as well. So we're just trying to make sure, sure that we got the proper, like, producer and stuff like that to make sure that the you know like the the stuff gets done right and when that happens i'm gonna come on here and i'm uh i'll be able to talk to you about it and that'd be great in fact we're in search of uh, of capable producers on this program as well i uh, could produce so for you you want me to produce for you oh you know we could just come on there and we just have like a whole segment where we just roast people that have been talking trash to you i'm all just, in on that i'm all in <laughs> I'll pull but up hey, man, I don't get just, I don't get Chris it. Jones, you know, sending me tweets, man. I mean, you know, calling me a clown. But I it's mean, not you're as Mac, cool you're as Mac you Daddy. Think. You got Chris Jones calling you a clown. You know, you're you've reached the big leagues when that happens. It's not cool though, because all it is is all it does is all the little twelve year old kids that like Chris Jones will be like, "You suck, Zim," all day, and I'm just sitting <laughs> to myself like, I didn't even do anything to Chris Jones. I think he's a good player. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Just Jim, you're crazy. the best. The internet, the internet is crazy. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. All right, my man, we can't thank you enough for everything. We're going to have you back just to check in to find out how you're doing. And, and we appreciate all of your enthusiasm and your insight. We love having you as a regular part of the program, and we're grateful for it. So thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me, man. Anytime. You know I'm always here. I ain't doing nothing. I'm just hanging out in the woods, Tom. Same old Zim. You got to get out there, say your prayers, Zim, start reflecting a little bit. You know what I mean? You got your little man there in basketball season. Go enjoy every second of that. I mean, I wish I had those days back. I've got my son's final high school sports season starting here in about three weeks. And I'm already sad before it even begins. Man, I was watching my son and his first game was last week. And I was just like, man, I, I was so uh, – I almost wanted to cry watching because yep. he, he played hard. He scored two baskets. They got him at center. He's the tallest kid out there. And um, I didn't realize how, like, they were going to use him until I saw him play against other uh, players. So, all week we've been talking about, like, you're the big man. And, you know, like, I'm hyping him up. And yep. we've been out there running and stuff. It's so funny. It's it, He's a funny guy. Like, 
I'm gonna bring him on here one day. I'm gonna let you talk to yeah, him. I'd love to have love to have him come on. You know, if, if you were really one smart, you'd have him train a little basketball with me for a couple of weeks, because Jim, you may not know oh, this, yeah? but I, I was one of the great basketball coaches in, in the history of Cincinnati for many, many years. Woo, Youth basketball. See? Got rings to prove it, Zim. Rings to prove it. Boys and girls. Championships. Okay. C stands okay. for championship, Zim. All right, talk my to man. Him, talk. All right. I like that. Absolutely. I like that. You gotta, yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, I'm going to definitely get, I'm going to connect him with you and get some of his skills up because he's I ready. would love he's, to. He's, he's, he's I, I can promise you one thing. If he played for me and he's the big fella, I, he'd be down there banging. That I can promise you. And the second man, that he's I'm not down there banging and getting rebounds is the second he's sitting next to me. That's what I used to tell him all the time. I'm like, if you like being out there, you better go bang and you better get some rebounds. That's your job. And if you don't do it, and mind you, I'm speaking to nine-year-olds. I tell them, if you don't do it, you will sit next to me the rest of the game. How does that sound? Not too bueno. Sounds awesome. So let's go get it sounds, done. Let's get it done. Sounds good to me. Sounds all good right. to me. I all feel right, like his Jim. coaches don't come with enough ammunition like that. That's what they need to do. It's and see, all I, I brought. Overstep my boundaries. I and have so I all the, the ammunition, Zim. All the ammunition. I knew what <laughs> yeah, buttons like to push that. with every single one of them, the guys and the girls. And um, I just said, go get after people. Go guard somebody, take care of the ball, and rebound. Yep. And we'll be all right. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. That's what right. that's what I might I, like I said, you're gonna have to give him a pep talk. He's gotta get tough. He's still like a nice guy out there and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, no, you, you don't want those nice. guys around. No, you can be nice when they get off the court, you know? I mean, a couple of my best right. big big guys and big girls, they were the nicest people off the court in the world. I used to tell them all the time. I'm like, that's all fine and dandy. Give everybody and his brother a hug and a kiss after the game. But when they throw that ball up in midcourt to start it, until the second that clock strikes zero, you better be the nastiest SOB on the planet. Yes, sir. Glass End of story. End of story. <laughs> Zim, good seeing you, buddy. Good seeing you. <laughs> Zim Uday. We got to get the big fella, his big fella, on this show. Get him in town. Train him up. Get him ready to go. Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it so funny when you're playing youth sports, especially youth basketball, and you just stick the tallest kid on the floor at center, and then he grows up and he plays center, and then by the time high school rolls around and everybody else is as tall as he is, yep. he really should be a guard, yep. but he only knows how to play in the post, yep. and then he's out of position. It's a travesty in American youth sports. Well, it is, and that's why I think it's so important. And I mean, look, I, I joke around about the, you know, the basketball coaching stuff and being any good at it. We had a lot of fun. I enjoyed every second of it. But I've always thought, you know, you've got to get those kids in basketball. And these are boys and girls. You know, even if they're the biggest kid, you still got to get them young to learn how to handle the ball. So if that happens, which it does, you're spot on, inevitably. Oh, yeah. Right? The one or two tallest kids in the fourth or fifth or sixth grade all of a sudden are very average height by the time they, they reach the 10th grade. But because they're no longer tall, the only skill set they've ever learned was to play a tall person's game. Whereas even when they're tall as a youth, if you teach them how to handle the ball, how to pass, how to move, how to do all these things, play man-to-man -man defense, all these kinds of things, they're going to be all right. And they'll thank you for it. I down was, the road. I was the opposite. I remember, I, so I was always a guard. 
And then freshman year of high school rolled around. I mean, I'm 6'3 now, so I, freshman year of high school rolled around and I had grown. And I remember my coach called me into his office on the day of the first game because all I was doing in practice was shooting, but I was the tallest guy on the floor. He calls me into his office and he goes, Paul, I need you to understand something. You are not a guard anymore. I said, coach, that's the only thing I know. He goes, Paul, you're the tallest guy on the floor. I said, what do you want me to do? Rebound? I'm like 110 pounds. Can't do that. Got a middle school frame, baby. Can't cook those boards up. Let me hop out in the corner and knock down some threes. No doubt. Shoot them up. Jack it up. Jack it up. All right, fellas, what's on our mind today? What's on your mind today? Are you, are you reaching the point where you're able to finally now move forward, put the game behind you, right? That was Sunday. We're sitting here Friday. Zim's not ready to move on yet. He's trying. He's walking around in the woods, reflecting, sitting by the koi pond in his backyard. He's not there yet. What about all of you? Are you there yet? Casey, you there yet? Um, all, I'm not giving the Bengals any excuses here, but I, all I can do is think about what if we had Kappa and we had Collins. I think we would have done this. I think I'm going to be doing that for a little bit longer, honestly. Yep. And whether I can emotionally recover from this loss, I mean, I will eventually, but. I mean, now it's a true rivalry, right? That's the best thing that could have happened. Now it's a true rivalry. There are two types of people in the world, Tom. Really? There are two. There are two types. Should we build like some kind of animation, like thoughts with Paul? Should we build something like that? I mean, this is deep. Now there are there, two types of people. There are Please only. There are only man. two types of people. All right, only two. Only two. Okay. There are what if people, and there are not. What if people? I am a what if person, especially in gambling. You have to be a what if person. It's half the fun of everything. Oh, what if? What if they had just made this layup? I would have hit the over. <laughs> what if we would have just had capital? We probably would have won. Isn't well, that sadist? I don't know. What if? What if to me is part of the fun of everything. I love playing the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. I love it. I think it's entertaining. I spend a long time, I spend too much time thinking about it. Some people, they don't like it, and that's fine. Some people aren't what-if people. Some people aren't woulda, coulda, shoulda people. I'm not one of those people, but I think that part of the fun of sports, and like it's all entertainment, part of the fun of sports and, and all of this that we invest so much of our time and our effort and our emotional energy and everything into following these teams and covering these teams and talking about these teams and these players what are we doing if we don't sit here at least for a second and entertain the idea that, oh, maybe, yeah, if we did have our best offensive lineman, maybe we would have won the game. Yeah, I mean, that's how, that's how you can formulate opinions without having true facts. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Why uh, let the facts stand in the way of a good thought or a good story? There it yeah, is, right? Tom. Right? Now we're on to something. Don't let your facts get in the way of a good narrative. Never, yeah, never, no chance. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot of pub. It did around here for a while, and I, you know, I just dismiss this stuff outright. Although there is no doubt, going back and seeing a lot of the 
uh, the clips of the game and penalties that were called or penalties that were not called and all that kind of thing. We're talking officiating here. That's gotten a lot of pub here since that game from a national perspective. Um, you know, Gene Steratore comes out, uh, who was in the booth there with Nance and Romo and that CBS crew. Um, and, 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 you know, it's pointed out multiple calls that were not made or missed, especially uh, the holding calls, two of them on that final scramble for Mahomes, uh, where, you know, Osai hits him out of bounds penalty, you know the rest. But n- normally you don't get a lot of people that, that, that buy into all that, and they're just like, oh, it's those Cincinnati people, or whatever town lost the game, oh, it's those Philadelphia people, whatever it might be. But, you know, there's been a lot of pub about, about the officiating in that game. And I really wonder if that crew and that referee who worked the Super Bowl last year, and they blew some big-time calls in that game, too, on both sides. They blew some big-time calls. I, I mean, look, the, you know, the NFL doesn't have to do anything in terms of changing what they do with officials. You know, you use baseball as an example. There are very few things that baseball does better than football. But one thing they clearly do better than football is they take care of their umpires. They are year-round employees, the umpires are, so they don't have to go, you know, like NFL officials do. These guys literally, I used to meet with them every week, every Sunday. I'd see them at a lot of our hotels. We'd stay in the same hotel when I'd be on the road doing a game on television. And these guys, Monday through Friday, are working a regular job. Just like, you know, the rest of you out there. And then they're showing up on a weekend, and they're running around with the, the biggest, the strongest, the fastest people on earth. Right? And, and that's what they have to do to support their families. The NFL has never bought all in. They have to a, a small extent, but never all in on all of these guys making that their craft year-round. They, they don't have to do it. There's no pressure on them. But, but things like this can start to at least build some momentum. And, and there is starting to be a little talk about that kind of thing. And I have no doubt that in the State of the Union, if you will, with Roger Goodell coming up next week from the Super Bowl, he will be asked regularly about the officiating. Because it's been bad all year long. And it's a shame that we have to talk about it. This is the same point that I made on Monday or whenever it was. The storyline after a game like this, when you have your your best product on the field, when you have the two teams that you're hoping get to the AFC championship game, the story should never be the officiating. It doesn't matter what what's going on, what happens in the game, it doesn't matter. The story should never be the officiating. So when it is the story, and it's consistently the story as much as it is now, the NFL's got to do something about it. I don't know what that is maybe fixing the replay whether it's an eye in the sky deal where you can go in and make a call like that when you need to because an eye in the sky and an effective eye in the sky could fix all of these problems because it could see a lot of those things is that the be all end all solution i don't know i the replay issue i know a lot of people talk a lot about the replay issue i personally am a huge fan of replay i think if you have the ability to get the call right, get the call right. So from that perspective, if you can go to the eye in the sky and do a replay and make sure that you get the call right, do it. These guys are paid money to – officiating should not determine the outcome of a game just because, oh, they couldn't figure it out by replay or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, my my thoughts are – I mean, it's 
officiating's always been a topic of discussion every year, so why would he do anything to change it now? I mean, you can go back every year, and there's going to be a game that someone can point to. One of the games I can think of vividly in my mind right now that totally cost the team a, a Super Bowl chance was that Saints-Rams game where the guy clearly, clearly had a pass interference, and then they changed the rule to be able to challenge that. And then they changed it back because it was a terrible, terrible idea. And then just never, sometimes calls are just missed. But in the Bengals game in that situation, for me, there was two calls in that game that I feel like were just unacceptable or what the outcome of it was unacceptable. And that's the redo I feel like once you've already ran a play and it's already the next down, you can't just go back. That's just, you move on. It's like the same thing from like you get a free play on a false start. You mean you, you, you ran the play and if it ends up being an interception, all right, you accept the penalty. If not, you just get whatever yards you got. I mean, that's, and in that, in that situation, I thought the handling of that was unacceptable I mean, you got to be blowing your whistle, and you can't let the play happen. Whatever, whatever is going on, you you as the ref have got to stop the play in the middle of it happening. Because when there's an offsides or an infraction, the play will start to happen. It'll start to develop, and the refs will come running in, waving their hands, blow the whistle, and they none of them did that. So to me, well, I know I, I think the case there was was the fact that nobody could hear the whistle. I think it's pretty evident the guy on the, when the, on the high camera above, he is waving his arms, he's blowing his whistle the whole nine yards. It's so loud in the stadium, nobody can hear it. Well, I, I, get, I get where you can't hear, but you can see. But you can see him obviously run, and he's got to run into the play. He's yep. got to stop it. You can't just let it happen. And th so to me, it's the handling of that situation for the refs could have been a lot better. And I think that can be corrected. I think that can be fine. But what's done is done. You can't change that. There's no, there's no um, sky eye in the sky that can fix that problem. The other issue I had was a judgment call on the intentional grounding. And I know the rule specifically states it has to reach past line of scrimmage. But I thought, in my opinion, I thought Samaje was close enough to the ball. And then it becomes more of a judgment call. And that was a deciding factor of how the ending of this game was going to be handled. It was going to be in the hands of Kansas City to make a play to get down to the field and score a field goal. It took the ball out of the Bengals' hands. It pushed them back. It was third and like 18 or something like that. And then they get sacked again. It was effectively that drive, they got sacked back-to-back -back times. Brutal, just absolutely killed any momentum they had after making that third and 14 catch by uh, Hayden Hurst, I believe. I felt like that was a situation where the, the, the rules, like there's just nothing that you can do. Here's what I'm ultimately getting at. There's nothing you can do <laughs> to change any of those. Those are all either judgment or... Mistakes that are not properly handled. Yes. So I don't understand why the conversation is even really about that and more just about 
how the Bengals played because there's nothing you can do to change any of those things. Well, you know, the, one of the big issues you face when you get into some of this, and, 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 and Paul, you, you know, you, you made the comment that, that you're okay as long as you get the call right. And you're, you're a big replay fan. I think most people agree with that until the games start becoming college basketball games. Yeah. Where there's review after review after review. And, and you know, look, the pro game is really, really concerned, unlike baseball, about their time of play in their games. Because it's all the whole league is built on television, right? You watch a 1 o'clock game, you've got 4 o'clock games, you have big 4.30 games, and then you have night games. They are, I mean, they're down to the minute on this stuff. Believe me when I tell you. When we sit there in production meetings and every single week, and the home team along with the NFL is putting down a packet of stuff, this, every minute detail of everything starting three hours before the game starts of exactly what is going to happen and what better happened at exactly what time. Everything from the anthem to the kick to you name it. Timeouts, this break, that break, 30-second timeout, 15-second break, blah, blah, blah. They got it down to a science. College football, conversely, now their rules are a little bit different where they stop the clock on every first down. Now, that can be very exciting if you're a team trying to go down the field and try to win a game at the end. Because every time you get that first down, it gives you enough time to stop the clock. You can get your guys up to the line of scrimmage. They start the clock, and off you go. But the college game last year started to get really worried about the length of games because almost every single play in college football anymore, by and large, is a pass play. So you're getting 100 and some odd passes thrown in almost every college game and now instead of going three hours, which the NFL goes, the college game is getting into three and a half, 340, 345, and they're really worried about it. Their replay system is set up in such a way where they can review anything anytime. College football, it feels like you can watch the kickoff of a college football game, go and live your life for a Saturday, and then come back, and you're still able to catch the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. I mean, when you invest... And it, when you say, I'm going to watch every play of so-and-so college football game, you are investing your day into that game. Yeah. Because these games, I mean, you, you talk about a game, a college game that goes into overtime, you're looking at four-plus hours. Yep. That is a long time. And I just don't think there's an appetite out there as much as people love football if you start putting in. And, and then where's the line on what that eye in the sky can actually look at? I mean – would you want let, – let, let's pretend a second that the Bengals were the one that got away with a hold or two holding penalties. And Burrow races around the outside. He gets drilled out of bounds by some Royal, uh, Royals – by some Chiefs player. And all of a sudden, the Bengals kick the field goal and they're going to the Super Bowl. How would you feel if an eye in the sky could take a look at that play after it just happened and they could say, nope, we're waving off the penalty on the guy for hitting the quarterback out of bounds because before he got to that point, there were two holding calls and we're going to overrule, um, not overrule, we're going to decide that there were two holding penalties on the play even though no one on the field of play called a penalty. Do you want that happening? 
Ooh. Right? You yeah. want him to all of a sudden be able to determine that, okay, you know, quarterback was back to pass. He's under heavy pressure. You, you know he's just got to get rid of the ball. But 25 yards down the field, the eye in the sky can see, um, you know, um, Von Bell holding on to the jersey of Stephon Diggs. Forget the fact that the quarterback wasn't going to throw it to him. Forget the fact that the quarterback might be getting sacked. Forget the fact that it might have turned out that the, the guy actually got hit the quarterback, fumbles the ball, and your team recovers. But now the eye in the sky is going to say, wait a minute, forget all of that. We're going to call that hole 25 yards down the field. I have a random question. It's a little off topic. How many refs are actually on the field, a football field at once? I know there's the line on either side. There's a, there's a, a line judge for each side. There's one in the backfield for the quarterback to watch for holdings. And then there's another one in the backfield for the defense. Is there a five or is there just It's four? normally an eight-man crew. Eight-man crew. Normally an eight-man crew. How many are on the field at once? There are eight different positions for an officiating crew for each NFL game. You have the referee, the umpire, the line judge, the side judge, the down judge, the back judge, the field judge, and then you have the replay official. Okay. So I don't know if if um, I don't know if um, so. Technically, you have seven on the field because a replay official is an official, but is upstairs in the box. Okay. Yeah. So, um, um, you know, like in baseball, they add um, two more ump uh, two more umpires. Uh, for a major league baseball game, you know, during the course of the season, baseball is, as all of you virtually know, uh, they have a, a home plate umpire, first base, second base, third base. In the postseason, they had two umpires down the right field line and the left field line. So you expand that number for the postseason. I don't, I don't think football does it. No, I, I can't. I was going to say maybe you add a, another uh, a ref or two, but that's seven on the field. I don't know. You know, to, to go back to the situation here at the end of the Bengals game, there when we play the what if game, you know, and I, I talk about the what if, shoulda, coulda, woulda a lot. If they had called the holds, and I could be misremembering this, but if they had called the holds, it would have offset the Osai penalty which would have set up a 60-yard field goal, but there still would have been eight seconds left on the clock. Yes. So the Chiefs still could have ran, you know, a, a six-second play. Well, they were out of timeouts. Yeah, but they could have gone – they could have tried one pass they to the sideline. They could have. Could have tried a pass to the sideline. Fifteen. You can easily, easily pick up 15, 20 yards in six seconds. Well, you're not going to get 15 or 20 in six seconds. No chance. Guy to you the might get. You might get eight. Yeah, I don't think – You're not going to get 15. No way. No way. You'll run out of time. You'll yeah, probably you'll run you'll, out of time. Really you run close. the risk of running out of time, but you could eat, you could throw a uh, pass to the sideline in six seconds. And it would be a, it would be a, it would be a, a four step route straight out. As soon as the quarterback touches it, bang, lets it go out of his hand. You get eight yards and you take your chances. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, because you got to give yourself a chance for the kick. But I'm just saying that it's not like there would have been one second left and the Chiefs would have had to have kicked a 60-yard field goal. They could have still gotten Got closer one more play gotten one more playoff into, into field yes, goal range. Yes, they could have. It's all the things that you think about and tinker with in your head when you try to make yourself well, those sleep Those what-ifs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's pointed out by Emperor uh, Starscream that, uh, and this is a great point, remember how bad the replacement refs were. It could be a lot worse. Well, it could be a lot worse, but, you know, that's a valid point. Um, but um, I would make the argument that, you know, we're not in this to, to keep it from being a lot worse. We're in it to get it better. And they need to figure out a way to get it better. And, and I have to be honest with you, you know, look, I, I don't know what they're using, what metrics they're using. Because, you know, what they do is, for those that, that, that may not understand this, they basically form in the postseason a quote-unquote all-star crew. So whatever evaluation they're using for all of those different positions I just gave you. So over the course of a year, you know, Paul will be working on his crew as the uh, line judge. Casey will be working on his crew as the back judge. Brandon's working on his crew as a side judge. I'm working on my crew as a referee. And then what they do is they grade individually, not crews. They do it to crews too. Because in that way, every single week it comes out, if you know a crew is working your game and the crews are going to stay together during the regular season, you'd be able to say, okay, well, this crew, which has worked you know, 14 weeks and you've got them in week 15, you know they have uh, more uh, pass interference penalties than any other crew in the league. You know they have more offensive holds than any other crew in the league. But when you get to the postseason, these guys have been individually graded and so they put together an all-star crew, if you will. Allegedly an all-star crew. But it, but it certainly doesn't seem like it, um, it adds up to that to me. Because I, I, I tell you, there have been a couple of guys that have been working as, especially as a referee, where I just say to myself, it's hard to believe that's the guy or one of two guys um, that are your two best referees uh, in the NFL. We're going to work on getting Doc lined up here. We'll take a break, and you can finish checking out whatever you need to check out. Hammond Eggers, can you take it here, or you want to go to a break? We got No, no, we got it. We got you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, first thing we're going to do here, oh, since we've been talking about the Bengals a lot, I'm going to go ahead and, and give uh, our guys at Encore a little shout-out here. Um, the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world. With a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and what, Casey? Productivity. That's right. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, as you see right here, I think we need a new pack of them because I don't know if we have any more outside. We might. We might. I didn't see if we had a new shipment in. Uh, there is a new premium alkaline water. Uh, and it is called Pani. That is P-A-H-H-N-I. See it right here. I'll make sure that this is screwed on. It was not screwed on tight. I would have just ruined everything that we have here in front of us. Pawnee. Uh It is made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. P-A-H-H-N-I. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also, quote, the best tasting water in the world, end quote. Visit their website at P-A-H-H-N-I. P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. That's our plugs for the day. That's our plugs for the Bearcats day. Bearcats report, as always, thanks to, uh, to Encore and then to Pawnee as well. 
If you're going to bet, bet with Betfred Sportsbook. You see all the lines that are down here at the bottom of the screen. Those are updated lines. Casey and I go through those lines uh, every single day, about 10 minutes before we go on the air. We put those lines in, so that way they are the most updated lines that you have. The Super Bowl has been all over the place. Uh, it's down to one and a half right now. The total is at 50 and a half. I'm glad it's at 50 and a half, and I hope that the game plays out that way because you want a lot of scoring. You want scoring in this game between between these teams. I think it'd be I think it'd be a good game if it ends up going up toward that total. Um, I'm trying to think. We have Bedford, Pony. We're gonna Anybody have, else? We're gonna have box lunch later. Bo oh yes, box lunch later today. Uh, Trace is out, but we have all the regular cast: Reed, Brandon, Paul, myself. We're all gonna be on right after the show, and uh, it's gonna be a good show. We're gonna give uh, we're gonna give out some picks. We haven't done the vault in a while. We haven't picked. Haven't gone in the, the vault, vault in a while. Let's and, get the vault. And you know what? Maybe maybe finally I'll I'll have enough uh, grit to. Put, put something in the chat because I've been I've been a little hot as of late. Okay. I've been a little hot as of late. So Doc, let's get to Doc. Let's get to Doc. Paul Doherty, the morning line .substack.com, legendary uh, columnist for the Cincinnati Enquirer over 30 years here in greater Cincinnati. Um, you know, Doc, we talked a lot during the season about uh, Tom Brady and how he was was playing, wasn't playing, you know, a lot of issues off the field, well-documented, so on and so forth. Uh, but I thought you wrote a great column at themorningline.substack.com the other day about Tom Brady. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to believe it's actually going to happen. We're assuming it's going to happen, that he will stay retired this time, unlike last year. Were you surprised that he walked away? No. Uh, um, I think one thing he, he doesn't want to put up with more than anything else is losing. Um, they made the playoffs, but they, didn't, they, they weren't winners. Uh, he, he didn't look great. He had okay numbers, but um, I, I think he's come to the realization that uh, – He's going to put himself in physical, more in, in physical harm if he continues to play. Uh, he, he's not going to be able to, to uh, build anybody's team into a winner at age 45 or 46. And I think, I think this time he's just at peace with, with the decision. Um, I wasn't surprised that he walked away, and I think he means it this time. I think he does, too. And, uh, you know, look, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there was a time when people watched, and we were talking about it the other day, you know, if you grew up and you, you're old enough to remember watching, you know, Babe Ruth, or you're old enough to remember Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle, or, you know, and then in later years, this guy after that guy, can there be another player like this guy? Um, you know, you dare not to say it, but, but – in this day and age, and you talk about it all the time, about how you know the NFL likes to, 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 to give everybody a fighting chance and they're fiscally set up in such a way, I find it hard to believe there's going to be some quarterback that comes down the pike that's going to be able to say they won 17 division championships and 10 conference championships. Forget the seven Super Bowls, but just division titles and conference championship games alone. I think he retired, he was, he's retiring that trophy in football. Uh, I don't think you'll ever see another quarterback like him. Uh, first of all, you're not, you're almost certainly you're not going to see another guy play until he's age 45. 
I mean, it wasn't too long ago. If a guy was still playing at 35, he was old. Uh, Tom Brady plays till he's 45 years old, and he wins an MVP at age 43. Um, that That's simply not going to happen again, certainly not in our lifetimes. And I, he's... And I wrote this the other day. He is the clear goat uh, of the NFL in a way that I don't know that there, there's a clear goat in any other sport to this extent. Uh, for, for every Tiger, there's a Jack Nicholas. For every Michael Jordan, there, there's a LeBron or a Kareem or even a Bill Russell. You're talking about winning. Um, for every Ali, there's a Joe Lewis. You know, um, for every Wayne Gretzky, there's a Gordy Howe. I, I don't know that there is, for every Tom Brady, there is a. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think he closed the book on that. Um, time will tell, but uh, I, I don't see anybody eclipsing what, what Brady did. I, I, I want to ask you a question that I was thinking about the other day. Uh, and I ran it by you to think about this last night. I didn't get your answer last night when we were... Uh, texting back and forth but it got me to thinking at the end of the day do you view this season or should the Bengals view this season as a successful season now from their record 10 game win streak all that kind of stuff yeah I get it but you went to the Super Bowl last year clearly this team's goal from the start was to not only get to the Super Bowl but win the Super Bowl. As we know, they're not in the Super Bowl. Successful year? No, hell yeah. I, I don't I don't subscribe to that notion that it's all or bust, you know. Our goal was to get to the Super Bowl. We didn't get there, therefore. No, I, they had a great year, and they were able to do something that the Rams couldn't do, and that a lot of teams who have been in the Super Bowl one year are unable to replicate the next. Um, and, and who knows? I mean, <laughs> we're talking about the officials, but uh, the injuries at the end of the year to the linemen, they, they don't get those guys hurt. It might be a different ball game. I thought this team was better than, than last year's team. I, I thought it, it, it showed growth in a lot of areas, including Joe Burrow. No, I, sure, you want to you want to get to the Super Bowl again and win it, but uh, they like to say that winning is hard in the NFL, Tom, right? which, which amuses me because if winning is hard and, and half of the teams do it every week, then losing better uh, is probably hard too, right? I mean, 16 and 16, but um, they should amend that and say getting to the Super Bowl and winning is hard. Maintaining uh, a level of performance that makes you uh, in, the, in the photo for the Super Bowl is hard. Um, and I, I would never sell short what they did this year, um, a year after getting to the Super Bowl. So no, in no way did I think this was an unsuccessful season. You're a big, uh, golf guy. Uh, you know, you work, uh, at a golf course, you clean out the carts. You, you're one of the all time, uh, cart cleaners from what I understand. One of, the all, one of the all time greats. Um, I gotta ask you though. I'm the Tom Brady of golf cart cleaners. <laughs> All right, I got to ask you. I tell you a sport that's starting to lose me is golf, and I'll tell you why. There are so many great young players out there 
I mean, going all the way down to 14 and 15 year olds. I mean, my son plays high school golf and some of the guys I see out there playing, it's mind boggling. Um, but, you know, you, you, one of the most famous tournaments in the world every year, it's not a major, but it's certainly one of the most famous, without a doubt, the most picturesque at Pebble Beach. That got underway yesterday. Doc, I'm sitting here looking at the leaderboard, and, I mean, you got to go, and I know it's only one round, but, but, but you got to go 30 deep to even find a name on there that outside of the hardcore golf fan has ever heard of. I don't think it's good for the sport. You you mean that there's so many good young players that you don't recognize their names? No, I'm saying that we don't. It, it's not the guys that you know you you come to know. Now, I mean, you know, we can come to know them if they were to win this tournament. You'll recognize that name the next time. But I'm saying you know, it, 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 there, there's not that group. Or even a player when the tournament starts. Live coming in now, all these other kinds of things going on. Where, you know, it used to be Tiger would set foot on the course to, the, to, to these tournaments. Mickelson would set foot on the course for these tournaments. Going back to the Greg Normans and all these other guys through the years. Now, I mean, you getting excited about Jordan Spieth? <laughs> I, I mean... You're asking a golf guy, yeah, I like to watch Jordan Spieth play. I like Rory. I like watching Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Some of the young guys are, are are pretty compelling. I mean, every generation of players has their stars. Um, I'm, I miss Dustin Johnson, who's a live guy. I miss yep. Phil, who's a live guy. But I mean, I I don't see it as a as a down thing. It'll take a while. For the younger stars to develop and and for us to get to know them and, and like them in the way that we like some of the other guys. I think we were pretty spoiled by having Tiger and Phil for so long, you know. Um, but I have no doubt that, that golf will rebound and and I think you'll be back to saying, well, I can't wait to, to watch so-and-so play. I mean, I get your point. Tiger left a huge void and, and Liv kind of chopped away at the star power of the tour. But I think there's enough young guys that, that eventually you'll say, wow, so-and-so's playing today, I want to watch, you know. So-and-so's teeing off at, at 10 this morning, I want to go see him if I'm at the course. I, you know, I'm a lover of golf, you understand. And I can, I can watch Pebble Beach and, and not care who I'm watching, essentially. Yeah. Uh, unless it's Bill Murray, I'm sick of Bill Murray. Um, or Ray Romano, please no Ray Romano anymore. But uh, I, I could just watch that tournament for, for the scenery. You know, I'll watch anybody. I don't care who it is uh, on that par three on the front. I think it's number six, the, the little par three out over the bay. And then the next hole is, is this beautiful par four across the, uh, across the bluff there. Man, the, the holes there, some of them are spectacular. I, I'll watch it just for that. Uh, I don't care who's playing. But I, I, I get your point. If you're a casual fan... And, I mean, and you must be if you're not even interested in Jordan Speed. If you're a casual no, fan, no, I, no. I, I was just throwing that name out there. I, you know, the, the point I'm ultimately making here is is like a yeah. good, uh, a good play, a good musical, a good movie, a great sport, on and on and on and on. You need protagonist and you need antagonist. And right now, in my opinion, it's so homogenized that you don't have either one of those. It's not that they aren't good guys. I'm sure they're all probably pretty decent guys. 
But there's no villain. There's no, you know, this or that or rivalry or any of those kinds of things. We're on a week-to-week basis, and you look at who's contending on a week-to-week basis, it is infrequent that you ever see the same name twice on a leaderboard at the end of a four-day tournament anymore. And I don't think that that is appealing, even to a guy like me, who, look, I'm like everybody else. Um, I I love being able to settle in on a hot summer day on a Sunday afternoon and sit there with my son or just sit there and kill time or whatever it might be watching a great golf match come to an end. It's fantastic. Problem is, I don't know anybody anymore. Yeah. Well, you know what? Back when I started in this business, in like the mid-'80s, the pre-Tiger, pre-Phil, even like pre-David Duvall, remember how good he was yep. for a while, uh, people were saying the same thing. You know, making jokes about the, the clothes that these guys wore, the Sansa belts and the polyester and all that stuff. You know, the bland leading the bland all the way to the bank. Um, and then Tiger and... <laughs> Phil and, and, and to a lesser extent, Duval happened. Sergio Garcia happened. Um, so maybe we're just in one of those lulls now okay. where you're just waiting for the next big thing to pop up. But it will because it always has. All right. All right. Uh, before we let you go, um, you know, yeah. we're, we're starting this, this thing now. And, and, and you share with me that you are a big TV guy when it comes to some of these streaming <laughs> shows. Yeah. And, and so give me, Doc, if you've had time to think about it, because we're all weighing in on this over the next number of days. What are your top five shows that you would recommend for people to watch if they haven't watched them yet? Uh, they're all the same ones that everybody's saying, I'll bet. I, I think all-time number one, you got to hang with it early, maybe a little slow, but hang with it and you'll be rewarded. It was The Wire. Yep. But the Wire was the best TV show ever made. Uh, Sopranos, number two, Breaking Bad, number three, uh, Love Friday Night Lights. Great show. Yep, great show. And, yeah, yeah, Friday Night Lights and uh, Sons of Anarchy. I'll throw yep. you a curveball. Yep. Sons of Anarchy was great. Yeah, all I did the too. way through. I, I watched it all the yeah, way through, too. I think it, I tell you what, though, Doc, I mean, that's a, that's a dynamite top five. But you weren't with yeah. us on the show yesterday. The one that I just finished, and I had buddies of mine telling me about how great it was, and I don't hear it very well. And so, you know, when I first started watching it years ago, uh, I didn't have the closed captioning thing, didn't know how to do it, whatever. But once I figured yeah. it out, Peaky Blinders. You watch I've heard of that. I, I made it through half of the first episode, and I turned it off. That's what I did try. the first go-round. I did the yeah. same thing because, you yeah. know, the – the native tongue and all that kind of thing. You, you really got to, right. I'm telling you, it's as good as it gets. I'd highly recommend it. Okay. Well, all right. I, you know, I have a whole hell of a lot else to do. You know, I write the morning line, I watch TV. <laughs> and walk the dog. Yeah. And walk the dog and hose off golf carts. There you go. I mean, what else is there in life? Does your wife ever come around or is she, she's kind of stays away. I'm limbering up the trigger finger for the golf carts as we speak. It's getting to be about that time of year. <laughs> well, not according to Pucks Katani Paul yesterday. So that that's a different story for a day. You know, seven more. Oh, that's, that is such a racket. When in the hell does spring start in the middle of March anyway? Ever. Never. Right? No, so he goes no back in, sees the shadow. We're going to have six months, six weeks more of winter. Well, no kidding. 
We always do, right? They should they should do this like three weeks from now. Have them see a shadow then, and then we're really in trouble. But now, of course, we're going to have six more weeks of winter. It's February. The start of I got a problem. I don't believe Yeah, I got a problem. Doc, thanks for your time, brother. Have a good day today. Have a good weekend. All right, Tom. See ya. All right, buddy. Be well. So th- those are five. Have you guys seen all five of those? So I've never seen The Wire. I tell you what, man. The first. Now, I got to go back and, and, and go to season. I think it went five. But I remember when these shows first came out. And I was traveling with a bunch of guys on, on my NFL crew that were really into all of these shows. And they were watching them, you know, waiting until the next week for the next one to come out and all this kind of stuff. And so I decided that I was going to try to, you know, take a run at watching one of these. And so we had about nine or ten guys that were in our production crew of our NFL team. And so I had them all write down on a piece of paper their top five shows. And these guys were hardcore TV show watchers. I said, give me your top five. The one that rated out the highest on collectively – if you were to take the average, by far the one that was number one was The Wire. I watched the first two seasons. It is lights out. Yeah, I've heard. And especially being in Baltimore and working in Baltimore two summers ago, I, I hear so much about it, and I have just never got what, – uh, what service is it on? I guess I can look it up. Well, you can find uh, it now. I can't remember which one you can matter. find it on now. But, but anyway, it, it, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about that show is, it's, if you, you, those of you don't know, it's, it's about crime in Baltimore. But what they do is every season they take on a different sort of topic. So in the first one, it's all about drugs. The dealing of drugs, consumption of drugs, devastation of drugs, crime of drugs, all that. Then the next season, in, in no particular order, they'll go into government corruption. And then the next one, they'll go into whatever it might be. So, it, you know, you've got the same primary cast of characters, but then you're introduced in a new season to some others, depending on what the theme is for that given year. It's really good. You seen it, Casey? I've not seen it. Highly recommend it. I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll check it out. Highly recommend it. Breaking Bad. HBO Max, I'm told, is what it's HBO called. Max is just the best streaming service out there it's if you i feel like every time it's a show or a movie or something i want to watch it's hbo max netflix is is pretty good yellowstone uh we're talking about shows we like oh boy the first three and a half seasons of yellowstone are just the best you get phenomenal the the middle part of season four to the end of season four and then now this past first half of season five is you can tell they're like setting up the rest of the show but the first three and a half seasons of Yellowstone are just off the charts. Well, I still think it's lights out. I, no, I think it's good, but I think you can tell that it needs it needs to hit that next gear because there was so much. It feels like the show has now become a different show. There was so much carnage and there was so much uh, fighting and everything in the first three and a half seasons, and now it's become I don't know more tame. Okay. okay. Give me give me the carnage. Although Tom. there's nothing tame about Beth. Yeah, but I feel like they're relying too much on Beth. I feel like it's it's become all Beth now. Let's let's get back to what we were doing. Let's get okay. back to our roots, man. Right. Let's get back to the roots. Now, see, I have never seen uh, because people shared with me. I, I I've never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, and see, you know, I, 
the, the stories, again, that, that, that I'll pick other people's brain, they'll start talking about it and tell me about it is, is it like, you know, you have a hard time going to sleep at night because th th this guy is in such, he's in such deep, you know what, all the time, seemingly, that it's just got you just completely wound up. You sh that, is that not fair? We should do that for the offseason, for the Bengals offseason. You should watch Breaking Bad. I've seen it. All the way through, I've seen it once, and I've seen mostly seen it twice. Go back. Have you seen Breaking Bad? All right. We'll watch Breaking Bad. Okay. We should do that. All right, we and will we'll, do and that. We'll, and, we'll, and we'll casually go through it through the offseason. So what, what, what does this mean, Sir Boy Wonder, who's our good friend? We love Sir Boy Wonder. He says, Tom, you are like Walter White. Oh, well, you got to watch Breaking Bad. Is that the main That's character? That's Brian Cranston. That dude's yeah. a great actor. Oh, yeah. He's a great actor. That show is... is Consistently, if you look up best TV shows of all time, if Breaking Bad isn't one, it might be two or three. It's it's always right there at the top. And the reason it's so good is because the finale, if you think back to shows, like I always go back to Seinfeld. Seinfeld's my favorite show of all time. Seinfeld's finale was terrible. It was awful. They shoehorned in way too many things into one episode and it was terrible. The Breaking Bad finale is one of the best finales of any show of all time. But then they spun off to that Saul thing, right? Well, Better Call Saul, and that's that's good. That's, that, a, that's a precursor to Breaking Bad, yeah, right? So, but even though it came after. So Better Call Saul kind of helps you understand. I haven't seen all of Better Call Saul, um, but it, it kind of helps you understand and put into perspective everything that's going on in Breaking Bad. And then they also made a spinoff Netflix movie of what happens to Walter or Brian Cranston's uh, sidekick. Okay. And... So the whole the whole Breaking Bad universe is good, but it's five. Breaking Bad is five seasons. Episodes are like fifty minutes. It's on Netflix. Episodes are like fifty minutes. Um, I got through it in a couple of months. So what the hell does this mean? Sir Boy Wonder says it's a compliment that he's saying I'm like Walter White. You gotta watch the show, dude. How can that be a compliment? The guy's a drug dealer, right? But he's, he's making meth, right? Isn't that the premise of the show? The guy's making meth. I mean, he's he dying and he's making meth, and right. I will be interested to hear at the end of the show if you if you deem this is like a Dumbledore if you deem Walter White a leader of men because I don't I don't know but there might be a world where there might be a world I don't know I probably not given the fact that he's dealing drugs creating drugs but he's doing it to save his family if I remember right, right? yeah there Something there are like ulterior there. motives to it to all this and, I'll be yeah. interested to see what your what your thoughts on Mr White are okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, th th this has uh, all the makings of Dumbledore. <laughs> I still think Fumbledore is just the best. The best in all. Wasn't that Everett uh, that, uh, that, that was on? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everett, yeah. you're here with us all the time. You're Dumbledore. with us right now. Dumbledore. He calls him Dumbledork. <laughs> You know, finishing up the, the, this thing on the TV thing, because we have Scott Springer coming up here. I will tell everybody, if you don't want to get fully invested into one show, and I've talked about this before, if you don't want to get fully invested in some two, three, four, seven season sort of series, one season, it's like 10, 11, 11 episodes. It's from the book written by John LaCarre. It's called The Night Manager. Remember the dude from House? Yes. Remember that guy? Yep. He's the antagonist in this whole deal. And it is a 
Hugh, Hugh Laurie? Hugh, yes. Or Lowry Fantastic. Or One season, um, and that's all they did because they did it based on the book. So they start it just like the book, and they finish it at the end of the book. It is unbelievable. If you the want night to, manager. If you want to do one season shows, you ever watch Mayor of Easttown? Yes. The Kate Winslet show? Yeah. Another great one. Excellent. One season show. Excellent. Can't do a second season of that, but that was good. Casey, you seen any of these? No. Nope. Sorry, right, we'll get you on the train. Casey, you what know, are you watching? Are you watching like um, CO2 emissions documentaries and things like that? <laughs> no, no documentaries. No. I So recently, the shows that I've been watching, I've just finished up The Boys on... Uh, I've heard that's good. That's really good. Um, I started watching The Last of Us based off of a, a video game. I love the game, and I'm loving the show. Um... You know, I before that though, you know, I watched like Euphoria, I've watched like Thirteen Reasons Why. I watched a lot of stuff that my fiance likes to watch. I, I'll pull up something on my phone and watch something on YouTube or watch a, a football game or a basketball game or something. Gotcha. Um, but you know, the one that I like the ones that I would recommend that I like to just have on the background, like stuff like The Office, Parks and Rec, Community, those like Kind of like slapstick. A little shows. on the lighter side. A little on the lighter side. Yeah. Lighter side, but um, I do want to get into like Breaking Bad and stuff like that. I just, for some reason, I just like when I see it, I go like, oh man, if I get into it now, it's a long way. And then when when I'm done, I'm gonna be in that show hole again. Like that's like I'm saving them. Breaking Bad. Takes oh, dude, trust tough. me. You getting married? You'll have plenty of time to be sitting around by yourself watching television shows. <laughs> Trust me. Breaking She'll be bad. in the other room doing her own thing. <laughs> you can just sit there and settle in. Just lock in, right? Breaking Bad takes you a couple months. It would it would be a good. I don't know if with March Madness coming up. I don't know. I, don't <laughs> I know, know right? Start. Like I don't know when we start. Well, after March Madness, you get into baseball season. You watch one before the Reds game. Knock yeah. an episode out. Yeah, it's a commitment. It is Na a commitment. Nate put it. Just, yeah, and Invincible ever. I really love Invincible for talking about like some of the animated shows. Ozark. Um, yeah, uh, Ozark yeah, is really that's good. a great show. Ozark. Great Ozark. show. Awesome show. Yes. Jason Bateman is. Casey, that's the one that I would yeah. recommend of all uh, of these ones. I've watched Ozark about. before. Oh, you've watched it. Okay. Oh, yeah. But I've not finished it. I oh, well, you, you got to start it. all I'm over gonna, again I'm gonna because have to it's really good. I started like right in the middle of season two or something like that when they just finally got into the casino boat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Riverboat. Yeah, Riverboat. Yeah. Gamblers. Riverboat that, gambler. It all comes back to gambling. And, and <laughs> it was really good when I, when I joined it in that. So I got to rewatch it. Yeah, you really, you really got to get caught up, though, and, and, and kind of come back from the beginning of that. Because I, I see everybody suggesting Tulsa King. I think that's the one with Sly Stallone, I think. Yeah, I think that's that, a new one I with think... Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where he's, I... he's a mobster leaving New yeah, York City yeah, or yeah, Jersey yeah, yeah. or wherever, and he goes to yeah. Omaha, right? I, I think so. That's, yeah. Or Tulsa. I'm sorry, Tulsa. He goes to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I've, I've seen that. I, oh, no, no, sorry. I've heard of it. I have not seen it. But, yeah, Tom, you start Breaking Bad. You know, I do it to watch like one episode a night. And I'm telling you, because the, the thing about Breaking Bad is you're hooked from the first episode. It doesn't, you know, some, some, some shows like The Office takes you after the first Even season. Even Yellowstone takes you a couple to get going. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you, you watch the first episode of Breaking Bad and you realize what's going on. You're hooked.
my my last suggestion and no one's going to talk about this one because the show was just so long ago 24 oh that is a fantastic show it's great i i feel like every season is just i know it's kind of like the same plot every season like he's got to save the world but jack bauer is just a badass i I almost cursed on the show well it's like homeland (laughs) So I like that show, Homeland. That's a great show. What about uh, Jack Ryan? Jack Ryan's solid. Now they just came out with a new season. I know. I haven't, have you seen it? I have not. No. My dad watched it. I haven't seen it yet. I have not. All right. But, okay. Um, it says here, Emperor says, Breaking Bad really lulls in seasons two and three. Uh, I mean, compared maybe to the other seasons, but even a lull in Breaking Bad is still very good. In my opinion, at least. Jay Queen's Gambit says on Netflix, or uh, Jay Queen says, Queen, uh, Jay says Queen's Gambit on Netflix is the one series show you didn't know you needed to watch. Very good show. House of Cards, big league show. I, I kinda, House of Cards lost me after like love two seasons. Show. All right, let's get to uh, Scott Springer. He's kind enough to join us. Um, Congratulations, young man. Uh, you were doing the high school gig there for a long, long time and doing a phenomenal job covering high school sports, which are so popular here in greater Cincinnati, but now on the UCB. So congratulations. Well-deserved and well-earned. Yeah, I'm really going to miss uh, waiting for the custodian to knock me out of some of these stadiums at, <laughs> at night. It's nice to have a little time with a, a nice computer stats in front of you and all all the amenities of of, uh, college football and the pros and all that. So uh, good to be back. And my son's really going to miss you and having a chance to talk to you after lacrosse games this spring. He was talking about it, in fact, last night when I told him you were coming on the show today. All right, let me ask you. Um, Why do you lose? Yeah, yeah, I I certainly will. Um, I want to start with uh, the basketball team and the program. I'm sure you're asked this by friends. You're asked this about, you know, maybe colleagues that are that are coming through the American Conference and so on and so forth. I know this is a very general question. But after years and years and years, Scott, of Bob Huggins and later Mick Cronin taking this program to the NCAA tournament year after year, it was a given before the season ever started, you knew they were going. This week, and we'll get into the team this year in a minute, but how do you feel about now having a chance to be around it regularly, the sort of state of the UC basketball program? It's kind of similar to when Mick took over uh, and and Bob had left and, and the program had been kind of decimated uh, and Mick built it back up and you had to have some patience there for a while because you were in the Big East and UC's about to go into the Big 12, which is the top league in basketball, in my opinion. You look at the net, and UC is like fourth in the net in the American, and UCF is third in the net in the American, and both of them would be dead last in the Big 12 in in the net. So you're about to to go into some really stiff competition. So I think you're going to have to have some patience, and it's not easy to have because, let's face it, we've been spoiled around here. The the guys you mentioned did pretty good, and it's it, you went to the tournament with regularity. You know, I, I went to school there and it was Ed Badger and Tony Yates. And, you know, you're throwing a parade in town when if you get to the NIT. Yep, yep. Well, well okay, well, what about then this year's team? Um, you know, look, they, 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 they've won 15 games. Um, they necessarily haven't beaten any good teams, so to speak. They, they made a great run. You were there covering the game the other day down in Houston. Um, 
realistically, for the rest of this season, what, what, what's a realistic expectation for what they can accomplish, uh, you know, what they, they reasonably can accomplish, and should you see fans be able to say, you know, like you said, some patience, okay, it was still a good year? Yeah, I mean, I, they had 18 wins last year, 18 and 15. They're at 15 and 8. Realistically, they've got a decent chance at 20. Used to be 20 wins, got you somewhere. Uh, where that is this year, you know, let's be honest, NCAA, you're probably going to have to win the, the, the league tournament, which is possible, but you're an underdog. And then do you get in the NIT or do you go to the CVI? Because there's cost involved in, in things like that. But I, I think West Miller's building a, a program and trying to get better talent in. And uh, you've got Jizzle James on deck. You've got Rayvon Griffith on deck. They signed a JUCO point guard yesterday, uh, Davion Thomas, uh, Day-Day Thomas, and he's out of uh, Texas. If you go back in history, UC's had some pretty good luck with junior college yep. point guards out of Texas, if you remember Nick Van Axel, and, yep. and you would. Yep. Um, so I'm not saying he's Nick Van Axel, but uh, – you know, you have to trust in Wes Miller's ability to get kids. He got uh, Landers Nolly out of the transfer portal. He reminds me the most of one of the old Bearcats of, of the current Bearcats. He's a guy that would fit in with, with any of that crew. And he's very talented. And, uh, you know, hopefully he stays another year. It, it, you know, and it, it, it's like every sport, though. You're recruiting your own kids at the end of the year. You got to get new kids. You got to keep your old kids in the this job has changed totally because in addition to just covering games or finding a neat story, you got to keep up with uh, who's in and who's out because of all this going on with the portal. It, it's, it, it's a new game. Um, speaking of Nolly, you, you know, this is a young man, like you said, he's not, he's not totally tipped everybody off as to whether or not he's going to uh, return for what would be his final year of eligibility. But I, I mean, look, I'm not the young man. I don't know his family situation. I don't know their financials. I don't know any of that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it seems it would be a logical choice for him to come back next year, be the returning leading scorer on a team and, 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 and a chance to be part of a better team uh, even next year, right? That would be my advice if you would ask me. And, you know, you're talking about what's the NIL situation because I'm not privy to what kids get and, or, or don't get. But in a lot of cases, I think there are situations where kids might be able to get NIL money that would be better than what they may get playing in the G League or playing overseas. And if you run into a situation like that, why not stay? Uh, because, you know, to me, I miss the senior nights. It's, a, you know, senior night used to be the kid that was there four years and, put in all the work and, and develop from nothing to, to something. I mean, you go back, Bobby Brandon, for instance, Ryan yep. Fletcher, guys like that that came in, they, they were role players. They were barely getting off the bench. And by the time they left, they were studs. They were big time players. Uh, I don't know if we're ever going to see that anymore. You're, you're seeing a lot of one and dones and, and uh, the transfer kids in. But, um, you know, I, I think Nolly could could benefit by staying. He, there's more he can add to his game. Wes Miller will say that. He's got a, a, a lot of potential. Victor Locken's got a lot of potential, things that he can add to his game. Uh, you look at it, you can you can pretty much bring up back all of your starters except for DeJulius. 
And look, that's something to get excited about. And I imagine these young players that are getting a little bit more playing time this year that we'll continue to see them get more and more minutes as this season moves forward. But, you know, Wes strikes me as a kind of guy, Scott, that, you know, look, he's not going to start carving minutes out of David DeJulius's game because this kid has busted his tail in his program oh, no. since the day he walked in the door. you got to let that kid just go play if he wants to every minute of every game, right? Oh, yeah. And he's one, come senior night, you really need to applaud for that dude because he came from Michigan. He had some struggles and, uh, you know, he stuck it out. He's 13 points away. If he gets 13 tomorrow against UCF, he's hit 1,000 points at UC. 55 people have done that. That's a pretty good club to be in. He's a great leader. If he's not hitting his shots, he's really dishing the ball great. He had nine assists the last game. And he knows that at the next level, he's six feet tall. He's going to have to be able to pass. It's not necessarily just popping shots and driving the lane and all that. He can't hit the shots, but he's he's done a lot better passing the ball here lately. Um, shift gears real quick, and I and I know that yeah. by the time you got both feet into the job, um, you know, covering UC, it, it was basketball season. But right in the middle of basketball season, they made a coaching change uh, for the football team. Uh, you know, they, they started quarterback because I brought up the other day uh, this whole quarterback thing. And if I'm throwing you, you know, uh, something, a curveball here because 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 you are in the middle of covering basketball. And I certainly respect that. You'll be on the football beat when the football time comes around. But hey, life's the whole curveballs. Let, let her rip. <laughs> All right. Let her rip. We'll throw the the big bad bender. Well, how does the quarterback thing shake out ultimately, do you think? Well, they, they, they get Emory Jones out of Arizona State, and uh, he, he had a pretty good career at Florida. Uh, Stat-wise, the Gators struggled a little bit. Arizona State was not very good last year, but Emory Jones is an accomplished player, and, and uh, Scott Satterfield said we need a, a guy with experience that's been there. So he's got a lot of big-time football snaps under his belt. Okay, Now, he's he is more of a runner. He, it's not that he can't throw, but he's – you know, you look at what Scott did at Louisville. You had Malik Cunningham, and, and he was running the ball some. So uh, Emory falls in that category. Uh, Evan Prater would fall in that category uh, if he stays, you know, because you, you, Evan's probably going to go through spring ball and, and have to make a, deci a decision. I don't know, but I, that's just my guess. Uh, but then you got Ben Bryant coming back. Now, Ben has proven to be a pretty good thrower. Uh, so you've got two different types of quarterbacks. Most teams need to. Um, it'd be nice if they both stayed. We'll have to see how it shakes out. But again, the way this portal works out, you're probably going to see kids go through spring, spring ball. And if, depending on their playing time, they, they may up and leave or you may have new ones coming in and, and all that. But uh, yeah, I, you have to say Emory Jones is, is probably the, the leader uh, right now. But Ben Bryan has to be considered because he's put some pretty good numbers on and and even in Eastern Michigan, the year before, took them to a bowl game and did pretty well. Um, uh, other than Evan, uh, um, Brady uh, Lichtenberg, uh, pretty good arm from what I've heard. Uh, he only got one snap in the bowl game, but let's face it, the bowl game was kind of a debacle, and, and that's yeah. a whole other topic that where you have kids playing in bowl games that didn't play during the year, and I, I, that doesn't sit well with me, but no one asked. 
You know, look, uh, I don't know how many people knew Satterfield well at all in and around uh, the offices of the UC football offices, the athletic department offices, all those kinds of things. He's replacing a guy who, who took this program to places I'm not sure anybody saw coming in Luke Fickle. What, what, what's sort of the, the, the vibe on him now that he, he's been around a couple of months, two or three months? He was crazy busy in the portal stuff. You're obviously never stopping recruiting. He's probably having to watch endless amounts of film to get very familiar with the guys that he's going to be coaching this, this upcoming season. What, what, what are you hearing? What, what's kind of the vibe on him a couple months in the job? Well, he's certainly trying. I know yesterday he was down at the uh, Senior Bowl seeing the Bearcat players that were down there and also some of his Louisville players. And today he spoke to uh, the Ohio High School Football Coaches Association. So, and he's made the rounds with Kerry Combs and, and all the local high schools, as have most of the coaches. Uh, one upside, I, I, they've, they've invested more into uh, the recruiting department, the personnel. You now have a general manager. Uh, you have so many people that are out there searching for talent, be it Portal or high school or, or JUCO or, or wherever. And they've invested in that, and, and you have to going into the Big 12. And so I, all I can tell you, I've already talked to him, you know, once where it was a non-interview situation, seemed wonderful, uh, fun to talk to, good guy. I, I hear good things about him. It, again, it's going to be a big question mark, like, like basketball. We're going into a new league. Um, at UC, I, I should say, I shouldn't say we, cause your dad would lecture me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, UC is going into a new league and you know, you gotta hope for the best, but be prepared that you know day in and day out these these are tough tough games tougher than you're used to and so you know maybe you know I, I, looking at the schedule when that schedule came out it looks favorable to me i i agree with you a hundred percent i i feel like yeah. their schedule was was all things considered you're not playing texas you're not playing tcu and i don't know if tcu will be as good as they were last year but they got to the final four this year you're not playing either one of them and uh, and you and and on paper the best team, even though I think Kansas State might end up being the best team, but on paper the best the best team theoretically is is coming here in Oklahoma, right? And UC has had experience playing some of those teams. You know, the, wasn't that long ago Oklahoma came to then Paul Brown Stadium and UC had them on the ropes, had had a chance to win. Uh, Baylor, I think, is beatable. Uh, they have beaten Kansas uh, when I was doing the games on radio with, with uh, Dan and Jim and uh, Paul Keels. Even before that, we were at uh, Kansas, played there. Kansas came here, and UC smoked them one year. Actually, I can give you a little historical perspective, which also shows how old I am, but I tend to do this. That that particular game against Kansas, uh, Gino Gadouli was the quarterback. Uh, they wiped him out. I don't remember the score offhand, but I'm guessing 34-6, something like that. There was a young man that came in and they, they said, Gino, this is this young man from Woodward. He wants to be a receiver here. We think he has a good future. I'd like you to meet Antoine Peake. Antoine Peake, who came in at 6'3", 180, and went on to become a linebacker defensive line in the NFL. So uh, the Bearcats have turned some players into big time players. Uh, you know, I just wrote something on the Kelseys. There's two examples there. Connor Barwin, more examples. There have been kids that have come here. Uh, Troy Evans was a walk-on, made the NFL. Kids have come to UC and it turned out to be pretty decent players when people thought they wouldn't be. So you got to hope for more of those as you go into this league. Absolutely. Scott, we appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks so much.
And another series is Your Honor, starring Brian Cranston, also a Breaking Bad. I, I actually watched the first season of Your Honor, and I saw where the second season just came out. Yeah, I'm, I'm three episodes in. I'm waiting for the next one. Is season two, so the start of season two is good? So far, yeah. It, it's a different angle, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We'll see. Right, but he's done most of, most of what he's done is pretty good. He also, uh, I think he was behind the old show uh, Sneaky Pete, which was a good one on uh, Amazon Prime. I'll have to check but that one out, He wasn't too. a main character in that. Okay. All right. All right. There we go. We're getting all kinds of input today, boys. Scotty, have a good day. Thanks, man. See you guys. Great to have Scott Springer with us. We'll, we'll get him and ask him to join us from time to time, talking about the rest of the UC basketball schedule. And then, of course, um, uh, really rolling into football. It's going to be really cool around here with them going to the Big 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can't. I mean, the basketball is going to be played in this town. I mean, the Big East is, is, a, is a solid league. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Big 12 is, is, is in a different galaxy from all the other leagues, not just the Big East, but the ACC and all the rest of them. And to think that some of those teams come rolling through here next year, including Huggy now, every year be rolling into town from West Virginia, Texas, wow. Kansas. Texas well, and Oklahoma. Are... Although that soon, story but... came out today, which, which was interesting. That, that Texas and Oklahoma now apparently are not going to join the SEC until 2025. So two more seasons? Two more football seasons. Uh, yeah, and two more full basketball seasons. Okay. Okay. Well, I find that so weird. I, and, and look, I'm sure there are lots of stipulations and monetary, I have no doubt, being at the very top of the list. No doubt about it in my mind, without even diving into it. But um, I just find it hard to believe that, that USC and UCLA, they're coming into the Big Ten next year, right? I believe so, Football, yeah. this coming fall. Because the Big Ten has not released its football schedule, I don't think, for this year yet. Am I right about that, or is that the following year? I thought it was the following year. Let me 20, check yeah, this 2024. That's when they come in. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, you know, is there a chance, I guess, then, that uh, something changes and they, um, you know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma can end up getting in, in the uh, SEC in, in 24? But, I mean, heck, they, they committed to making this move over a year ago. It was only a handful of months ago that UCLA and USC decided to make the move. And now all the dominoes, which really nothing has happened since that announcement. Those were the two big moves in college football, college sports. Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, which we now know is not till 2025. And then the shocker of all shockers is out of left field seemingly came the USC-UCLA jump from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. But now what happens? Now what happens? Does the Pac-12 survive? Do they add more teams? Does a Big 12 try and come in and scoop up a couple of the more desirable brands out of the Pac-12, i.e. an Oregon a Washington, a Utah, Deion Sanders now at Colorado. Um, 
you know, because Arizona, I mean, yeah, basketball, but outside of that, I mean, some of their non-Olympic sports. Of course, Colorado's not bringing any to the table either, besides just the juice of Dion being there. That's about it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, and especially when you start talking about a new television contract that's going to have to be done uh, once they go to the, the expanded college football playoff going from four teams to 12 teams in two years from now. 12 teams is going to make it. It's going to be great. Yeah. I, I tell you one thing, um, you know, we were talking about UC football there for a second. I don't know if anybody's paying attention. What Luke Fickle's got going on at Wisconsin is, is unfreaking believable what he's got going on up there. I mean, he's getting transfer portals. He's getting these guys coming from other schools. He's got a huge recruiting class right from the get-go coming in. Uh, You saw we announced earlier in the show today, Jordan Marshall. You think Wisconsin just showed up on that list all of a sudden? Along with Ohio State, Michigan, and Tennessee. This kid's one of the top 8, 10 running backs in the country. And Wisconsin is on his final four. Luke Fickle, you know, he's bringing in quarterbacks. You know, he's known as a defensive guy. But, you know, look, I'm I'm not suggesting that that, um, they're going to go out and all of a sudden overnight contend with Ohio State and Michigan, but no one should ever forget. Don't ever think that it's it's impossible for Wisconsin to compete with Ohio State and Michigan. Don't ever believe that. Because all you have to do is look at the tenure of Barry Alvarez as head coach at Wisconsin. He won more Rose Bowls during the years he was a head coach at Wisconsin. Won more Rose Bowls than any other coach in a league won Rose Bowls. And those were the days where the Big Ten champion played in the Rose Bowls. Before the college football playoff and all this other stuff. So, you know, Wisconsin's got the money. They've got incredible tradition. Fickle proved at Cincinnati he is a great recruiter, and he is now proving that he is, you know, we always knew around here that he was a force to be reckoned with, so to speak, in college football, but now more eyeballs are on him. I agree with that, and it'll be really interesting to see how he does in Wisconsin, Um, and I think the big reason why we're seeing all this, uh, all these transfers is mainly because you just look at the record and the resume that he had with UC and what he did for that program, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Brian Kelly, right? I mean, you, you earn this respect, you garner this reputation of being able to turn a program around, and Wisconsin hasn't really, you know, they haven't been anything like they were previously, like with Barry Alvarez. So it kind of makes sense. I think he's got a, a, a great, great resume, and he's probably a very good um, – I don't know what you want to call it. Not convincer, but a, a, a salesman. Closer? Closer. He's, He's a, a closer. closer. There's no doubt. And, and, you know, somebody brought up in the chat that Wisconsin has never had team speed. Well, you know, their style of play has definitely been different than most other teams. They tend to hand it off, and they've had some of the greatest running backs in college football history. Uh, Ron Dean. I mean, that guy, nobody's ever going to break that guy's record. All-time rushing leader in the history of college football. Nobody's touching that record. Nobody. 
you know, so they were more, you know, and you got to play to your weather conditions. I mean, it's, it's a lot worse there than it is even in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but, you know, the one thing Fickle did is, is he made UC's team speed go from here to here. And I have no doubt that that's the kind of athlete he's going to get into Wisconsin playing in the Big Ten. I mean, if he can have number one draft picks, right? You recruit some of these guys. Maybe they were a notch or two below, you know, the sauce gardeners of the world coming out of high school, right? He, he clearly wasn't being recruited by the Ohio States and the Michigans and the Alabamas. He ends up here. But, you know, you got to have a great recruiter to recruit him. You got to have great coaches to develop him. And, and, and Fickle has proven, heck, he took half the, 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 the coaching staff with him up there when he got the job. And after Gadouli did not get the head coaching job. So, you know, a lot of those guys that he was having as assistants to develop these players to become first-round draft picks, if not rookie of the year candidates in the NFL, he's getting a whole different kind of athlete now, I would argue, at Wisconsin than he would at Cincinnati. You agree with that? I think Fickle sold his stock at its peak. It got out of Cincinnati and got into a great situation because you could see the writing on the wall with what was coming in the Big 12, and I think he got out at the right time. I think he made a very, very prudent career decision, and I think it'll pay off for him at, at Wisconsin. Do you think we'll see the Big Big Ten championship, Wisconsin versus OSU or Michigan? you think that's what's going to end up happening? I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I don't know enough about what teams have coming back, but based on just the transfer portal alone, which leads you to believe oftentimes these are guys who come with experience from other places and so forth, uh, and the way Fickle can coach, and you look at the western half of the Big Ten Conference and in football, and, you know, you've got over there, uh, you know, Nebraska, program way down. Minnesota, eh, up, you know, up and down. Um, Purdue, but, you know, they had a good year this year. You know, he played the Big Ten Championship game. But Wisconsin traditionally is a much bigger football power not on an isolated year here or there, whatever it might be. Drew Brees was there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's a legitimate chance that uh, Wisconsin uh, would be ready to compete overnight. I mean, they, they competed for it last year, and they, they weren't very good. But they're going to compete overnight for the west half of the conference and, and the winner of that game. Uh, you're either going to be playing Ohio State, Michigan, or Dark Horse outside looking in always Penn State. You think they should get rid of the divisions? They're going to when the, uh, my understanding is, is when the, um, is UCLA. when uh, UCLA and USC join. Yeah. I mean, you should be having the two best teams play yeah. for the Big Ten Championship every year. Yeah. And if you're constant, if you get the bum team out of the West to play for the title when it really should be maybe Ohio State and Michigan running it back. I know that product-wise, they probably don't want that rivalry to happen two weeks in a row. But let's say, you know, Penn State's having a great year. But they get bumped out because Ohio State and Michigan are first and second in the East. Uh, Michigan beats Ohio State. Ohio State drops the third. Penn State is second. And they're two games better than the team that's coming out of the West. But the West team still gets to go in and get killed by the team coming out of the East. Let's throw Michigan and Penn State or Ohio State and Penn State or Michigan State if they have a good year. Come on. Let's get them to Indianapolis. You know, the, the, the only thing is, is what you get is, is when you go to a super conference, and let's just use the Big 12 as an example, because they're the only ones uh, that don't split into divisions. Um, 
the Big Ten does, the ACC does, the SEC does, Pac-12 does, blah, blah, blah. Um, is you, you know, you, you're at a point right now where you play everybody. That will change starting this year with four new schools coming into the Big 12. You can't play everybody during the regular season. So you sort of have this, you know, this rotating, um, you know, sets of games against different schools on any given year. And at least having divisions, you create a situation where it really is apples to apples because the West half of the division, they're all playing each other. The East half of the division, much stronger in the Big Ten's case, um, are all playing each other. And granted, it seems like every year the two top teams are Ohio State and Michigan. Only one of them can play in the Big Ten title game. But, you know, it, 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 if you're thinking about, okay, down the road, you go to a college football playoff expansion, and it's going to be possible, the SEC certainly, Big Ten certainly, uh, you know, they'd like to get three teams in that 12. Right? Yeah. So let's use this year as an example. Let's say Wisconsin was a legitimate power. Let's just pick, well, Purdue. Or they went to the game, but let's pick this coming season. Let's say if they were, you know, if, if, if Ohio State did what they did this year, the only game they lost all year long was Michigan. Michigan's undefeated. Now they're playing um, a one-loss Penn State team who's ranked ninth in the country, right, for the Big Ten title game. Okay, well, you know, you've got a legitimate chance there now with three teams getting in. I don't know if it's better or worse, where if Ohio State and Michigan are playing back-to-back weeks, I mean, does Wisconsin still get in? I don't know. Another day, another debate. Tom, you know, I asked you about the gut reaction. Are the Bengals going to beat the Bills? You know, whatever. Gut reaction. Scott Satterfield going to work out at UC? Yes. Yep. But workout's a pretty broad term. I mean, it's a Just very broad. I mean, uh, no, what I mean by that is here, Paul, this is what I mean by it. The expectation level has changed so much after what Luke Fickle did two years ago. I mean, I think everybody felt disappointed by what happened this past year. They only lost, what, two, three games? You know, there was a time where they, you know, they win nine, go nine and three, and maybe win a bowl game. You're like... You're dancing in the streets. Well, you know, now all of a sudden, you get a new coach in. Uh, you're going into a, a conference, as we've talked about, where there are very few, if any, layups anymore. There used to be a lot of layups when Fickle had it going on inside that American conference for about a two, three-year run there before this year. They didn't have as many layups this year. They weren't as good. So, you know, I, I, I would have to... I guess before I would answer that, I'd have to probably, you know, get an idea of what somebody determines is working out. Are they competitive enough to at least have a chance to make it to the Big 12 championship? This coming season? Um, in, in the next couple of years. I think they got a legitimate chance. I do. With Oklahoma and Texas leaving, I think that when you start looking around, and you compare what you have facilities-wise, and I've seen a few of them in, in the Big 12. Um, you know, uh, you, you take Texas and Oklahoma out of that whole thing, 
And, you know, you've got TCU. We know the run they have. But it's a small school. I mean, it's, it's just smaller than Xavier. Now, they're pouring no, no, a ton no, of money no. into athletics. Not or, so no, I, I'm saying as far as it, they're both private small schools. Yeah, got it, yeah, got yeah, it, got yeah. it. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Texas Tech had good teams, good coaches, good players. Kansas State. Now, there is a program, I think, that is really going to take off again because I think they got the right guy in the head coaching job there. Kansas had a better year this year. But we're not talking about world beaters here on a year-in and year-out basis. I think Cincinnati can compete with all of those teams moving forward. It will be expedited by Texas and Oklahoma getting out of town, but that's true for everybody in the conference. Yep. All right, what do we got? Cherry Cherry on on top. top. This is a Casey special. All right, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Here we go before we get to um, boxed lunch. Casey, you love this. Yeah, um, it's really short, but um, it's a good one. I'll just let you listen. Hey, let me get your jersey. Hell nah. Hey, let me get your jersey. Hell nah. What you just telling me? Hey, let me get your jersey. Hell nah. Hey, let me get your jersey. Hell nah. Mark Chase. And for those of you wondering, that's William Gay. He was the guy that was asked uh, before the AFC championship game, was there anything that impressed him about the Bengals on offense? He said nothing. Those <laughs> I, were his word. That was his word. I didn't, nothing. Re- I didn't realize that. It makes it even better. Yeah. Yeah. That's the guy that said it. Oh, yeah. So there you have it. I thought that's why you played it. I did too. I I didn't realize it. Oh, that's even better. I was just like, ah, Jamar Chase won't let them have his jersey. He's a dog. I think part of Casey was left in Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of was. My heart was just ripped out. Whatever part was left there might come back. But two days back in the saddle, a part of him has been left behind. We need to go retrieve it. I don't know if we can get it back. (laughs) There's a piece of Casey's soul just sitting on a upper deck seat at Arrowhead Stadium. No doubt. In a puddle of white liquor. White claw. Ew. Read what's happening. Not much, Tom. You know, me and Casey were a part of the grieving process, right? Yes. The game happened. Two days passed. We're sitting at Allen Fieldhouse, and we're, we're, we're kind of getting over it, starting to get over it, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of the game, you start seeing the chops. Oh, they do boy. the, they do the, oh, and they're doing it right directly at Travis Kelsey, and me and Casey look at each other and just like this isn't what we needed right now. And we're cheering for the Jayhawks the entire game. You know, this is in the second half where we're rooting them on, and then all of a sudden the entire fan base starts just kind of rubbing, and they don't know that we're Bengals fans, obviously. So we, I, I just started. F you, Travis Kelsey, right? God, God, get out of here. You suck. And the grieving just restarted. We had to reset on the grieving right then and there. Okay. It was tough. All right, yeah, but, was you're, tough. but you're back now. We're you're, back. You're back in a good place. We're fine. You know? we, we got some time to, to get over it. Most important offseason in Bengals history. No doubt about it. You know what's crazy, too, is like the day after, he's on his own podcast with his brother, and he's wearing all UC gear. Oh, and yeah. He's sucking up. Dude, that if you're, if you're, listen, if you're going to dish it out, you I agree, Tom. I take agree. it. You got to take it. And I don't back off from doing it either. Like, if, if, we're, if you're in the game, right? If you're in the game of, of talking crap. Right. 
You've got to be able to take it. And also, I would say, you keep, like, Eli Apple, when he gets burnt, he still talks crap. He's like, this is who I am. I talk crap. So you better believe the last three days sitting over there in Kansas City, people will be like, see me in my Bengals shirt, and they're like, oh, Burrowhead, right? I'm like, damn right it's Burrowhead. It is Burrowhead. There you go. There you go. So Give much. it right back out. Absolutely. Burrowhead. Burrowhead. All right, boys. Take it away. Thanks, Tom. Casey, Thanks, Paul, Tom. thank you. Absolutely. Tom. Absolutely, Tom. Have a good weekend. You too.